It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we welcome you to our crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Good to have you with us. And we are brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. That's right. Why waste any time? Go grab yourself an ice cold Pepsi or an ice cold Diet Pepsi right now because this football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. And I keep telling you, Back to the press box at FedEx Field. I'm going to raid the Diet Pepsi cooler at FedEx. Watch out in Landover. Don't lock it up like they always do. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, we got a lot to do. We have, of course, our crossover Thursday edition with um, James Rapine of Locked on Bengals and as well covers the Bengals for SI.com as I cover the Washington football team. For SI.com as well. So that'll be just moments from right now. Let's get you a quick Thursday walkthrough practice. Again, injury report. All meetings virtual. Uh, It's really weird. Uh, They're kind of half practicing. Certainly next week will be very strange uh, with the Thanksgiving Day game and the travel on Wednesday. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously they won't really practice much at all. Uh, next Monday or Tuesday. But here's uh, the injury update. DeShazer Everett, ankle did not practice. Left tackle Cornelius Lucas, same thing, ankle did not practice. Dontrell Inman apparently did uh, practice. We're waiting for official clarification. He was listed uh, on some initial uh, reporting that he did uh, and then some that he didn't. I didn't see him out there, but I could have missed him. To be honest with you, Ryan Anderson did not practice. Kicker Dustin Hopkins, groin did not practice. Jared Norris, hamstring did not practice. And Jaron Christian Sr. was placed on IR today. That, again, is a weird, weird situation, being that he's already missed three games. He tried to come back and practice. They had to shut him down. Then he's not there. Then Ron said it was no big deal. He'd be back the next day. And that was before the Dallas game. Again, he's missed the last three games already. And they never put him on IR. I don't know why they, you know, keep trying to avoid using this. I I know why, because it's hard to get replacement players in. I get it. But it's just weird that you would not use this three-game mechanism to buy yourself some time to truly get a guy healthy. Unless they're being, for whatever reason, not diagnosed properly or... It's not that bad, but then when the player goes through, you know, I I, I guess that's probably it. But I don't know why they, you know, aren't erring more on the conservative side, I guess, especially with a player that's, I don't want to say he's not important, 
but there's some guys that are good or fine when they're not healthy and when they're just grinding through. And then there's Jaron Christian. He's not great when he's healthy. So, you know, I, I don't know why the hesitancy to put them on IR so long. I, again, I understand you don't want to lose three games. But some guys you just have to look at and say, okay, you put a guy on IR. Again, it's not eight games. It's not for the rest of the season. You open up a practice sp- or you open up a roster spot. You promote somebody from your practice squad. You get somebody else in, and at least you can start work on you know, evaluating other guys, and I know there's COVID protocols. I get it. I understand. I'm not saying that this is a normal year. You know, now, they, now they've now they wasted three games, and, and, you know, again, I'm sure they were evaluating him. I'm sure they thought he could come back sooner. But, like, by last week they had to know that he wasn't coming back. Last week they had to know, okay, officially there's a problem. Why didn't they put him on IR on Saturday so that – the game against Detroit counted as one of the three games he has to miss. Now he's got to miss this Sunday against the Bengals, Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys, and the road game the following week end against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can't return until December 13th, I guess it is, in San Francisco. Whereas if they would have at least put him on IR on Saturday, by then again, he's missing three games now in a row. He's not practicing. He has shown no ability to stay on the practice field. Put him on IR. Open up the roster spot. At least start the clock towards when he might be able to come back. Now you're another game behind, another week behind. And Cornelius Lucas is not practicing. He's probably not going to play, barring some sort of injection if you will of life on friday it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me all right uh, i probably went too long on that i apologize james rapine locked on Bengals, uh going to ask me some questions about the washington football team next and then and then i will ask him some questions about joe burrow joey b and the cincinnati Bengals who come to town at fedex field on sunday Again, that is next right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. It is a crossover Thursday. All right, guys, once again, Pepsi is here for you. This football season will be different, and you know that because Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Unfortunately, no fans coming to FedEx Field this week. Uh, I wouldn't advise you being in a bar. I'd advise parking your keister right on your couch, your living room. Hopefully you got a nice comfy recliner. Pop it open, a six-pack, a two-liter, a Pepsi, a Diet Pepsi, and watching the football game and watching Joe Burrow hopefully not put up too many points against Jack Del Rio's defense. How about that? Because Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans, that's you are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. That's me and you. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out the latest football watching content from our friends at Pepsi. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. 
Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get a closer look at the Washington football team with Chris Russell of Locked on Washington. And uh, you can check him out there, obviously, Chris does great work as well for SI covering Washington. Um, Chris, let's dive into it. How surprised were you? Um, not only that Alex Smith returned and, and, and played <laughs> this season, but that he was able to start and put up huge numbers last week. Well, you know, James, first of all, thanks, you know, for doing this and having me and, and the nice words. And obviously I'm going to steer all of my uh, Washington football uh, listeners over to your coverage of the Bengals, both on the Locked on Bengals podcast, uh, NSI as well. So thanks for doing that. Um, you know, I, I guess here, if, if you would have asked me two years ago, if you would have asked me a year ago, if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said very, very, very surprised. The fact that Alex has made the kind of progress that he did through training camp with no preseason, activated as early as he was, what I saw in practice and what I knew they had ahead of him. And then when you factor in, you know, an injury to Kyle Allen and uh, the benching of Dwayne Haskins, which, you know, I fully expected it was a matter of when, not if, um, you know, I, I guess I would say I I'm still surprised at the numbers he's putting up because Alex only really did that in one year, his his last year in Kansas City. Um, this is not the kind of numbers that he normally puts up, at least the last two games. Normally, he's he's going to manage a game. And, and I still think that's important, James, because, you know, you can't be in 20 plus point holes and expect to win games no matter how good Alex is throwing the football. But uh, I asked him on Wednesday, I said, hey, how have you improved? And he said just managing the offense a little bit better and and not trying to do too much at times. And I think he's clearly more comfortable in this system than he was on, in Jay Gruden, former Bengals offensive coordinator a long time ago. His system uh, in nine games back in 2017. And I think overall he might be a better quarterback uh, and a better thrower of the football, ball location, that type of thing now than maybe he was certainly that first year in Washington. Is that just because he had so much time to, to think about it and, and focus on mechanics during his way back that he was almost starting from scratch so he could rebuild that throwing motion or, or, or change little things mechanically? I don't want to say it was this big overhaul, but but change little things mechanically. Yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think he's done a major, major change, um, but I do think, you know, you find like a certain will about yourself, a certain, um, you, you know, maybe a certain character, part of your character uh, that you didn't know you had going through what he's been through. Um, and, and then wanting that opportunity and dreaming and thinking about that opportunity. And I think we really saw it last week when he had a full chance to prepare, because even though they only scored three points in the first half, James, you know, they moved the football all over the place and they just didn't execute. They had a missed field goal, a chippy. Uh, they had, uh, you know, a, a, a bad blown up double reverse that killed a drive uh, that they were humming on. Uh, they had a Terry McLaurin fumble inside the 30. So, you know, like he Alex, I, I think also feels much more comfortable. 
scheme and this system and with this terminology uh, as opposed to Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden was very, 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 very complicated. My understanding is Jay at one point wanted to bench him in 2018. Uh, even though they were winning games, Alex wasn't playing great and Alex didn't seem to be on the same page. Uh, and I'm not saying Jay did a bad job. I'm just saying it just wasn't a great mix, at least early on. Uh, and this seems to be a much more comfortable and quarterback friendly scheme. That's the way it was described to me by Joe Theismann and others uh, who who know this system and know how, I guess, for lack of a better term, easy it is to pick up compared to other systems. Chris Russell is joining us in. I, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins very briefly, and you said that his benching, and I do want to get to the rest uh, of the Washington football team and not just uh, in the quarterback room, but I, I do think this is interesting. Uh, Dwayne Haskins benched. He was drafted, I believe it was 15th overall a couple of years ago. He beat out Joe Burrow at Ohio State. Right. Haskins is the reason why Burrow transferred to LSU and <laughs> went on a, after uh, one year with the Tigers, that second year, obviously, record-setting year, and he, he went first overall. Why is he benched what happened what's what, what's kind of the i guess the the short version because i'm sure there's a lot to it yeah um it, it's funny that you mentioned you know he's the one that beat out Joe Burrow, and and you're absolutely right because you know that was the def, that was the some of the reasoning that i heard oh why you can't bench him why you can't give up on him is because he beat out joe burrow and look at joe burrow and, and i do understand that right sometimes uh, you know an, initial systems initial fits aren't a long lasting marriage. And I got that. And I was absolutely willing to give it a chance with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, son of North Turner, uh, this year coming over from Carolina, right? Even though I knew they arrived here with a lot of skepticism, let's just call it that, right? Um, they they were very skeptical of whether Dwayne Haskins was, never mind their franchise quarterback, whether he was going to be able to start week one for them. Uh, and ultimately, he did with no pre, no offseason program, no preseason games, all of that. But honestly, James, it, it, it was a situation. He was the best of the three quarterbacks, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, in training camp, but he wasn't very good. They didn't have much of another choice, quite honestly. Uh, he did work hard on his body in summer and made sure everybody saw it on Instagram, which, you know, kind of annoyed me, to be honest with you, uh, A, because I'm jealous of his body and, and B, because, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you need to do all that. Um, and, and he did win the captaincy. But the problem was Dwayne has a history at Ohio State, at Washington last year and this year of a couple of things, not working as hard as he could or should, not working maybe correctly, uh, and that's complicated. And then the other thing is being immature. And I think a combination of that, maybe not equal parts, got him, along with, quite honestly, inconsistent play on the field. Um, week three up in Cleveland, he had three interceptions, should have had four, also had another sack fumble turnover. So, um, you, you know, th this team is not built, to, uh, and not many teams are, to turn the ball over four or five times a game. He would also take bad sacks that would knock them out of field goal position or knock them out of the red zone. And... That was a major problem, and he wasn't really picking up on a lot of the coaching points that they wanted him to improve on. And one, some of that was pass pro and slides and all that stuff. So when you combine all of that, if a coaching staff sees you not working as hard as they think you should work or want you to work and you are still making repeat mistakes, you're going to get benched. 
unless you're, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Tom Brady. But the reason why those guys are so good, I think, is because of how hard and how smart they are, how hard they work and how smart they are and how diligent they are about the position. And Joe Burrow is going to find out the same thing if he doesn't work hard. He's not going to have long-term success. Now, I don't think that'll be a problem, but he'll find that out one way or the other. We'll find that out together. Speaking of hard work, I think a guy who I could just tell, and I could tell from, one, his success on the field so early on, and he wasn't one of the heralded wide receivers in his draft class, uh, and, and then his post-game speech a few weeks ago, Terry McLaurin seems like the one of the hardest-working guys. So what – what what's it been like to to cover him the past couple of years and not just him, but but what's this arsenal that Alex Smith has? Because I, I know of Antonio Gibson. I know of some of these guys. Right. Uh, what, what kind of weapons is, is Washington rolling with right yeah, now on so, offense? So I, I think the weapons are probably better than the initial book on them. Uh, you mentioned Antonio Gibson. You mentioned Terry McLaurin. Clearly, they are the two best. You know, Logan Thomas has been a pretty decent red zone threat at tight end as a converted quarterback uh, for them. He's had some volume in terms of targets. You know, he's not a big speed guy. He's not a great hands guy, great route runner guy. He's still learning the position, but he's been reliable for the most part. Um, Cam Sims is a guy who was undrafted out of Alabama a couple of years ago, made the team, has bounced back and forth between the team and the practice squad, never really made a contribution until now and until the last couple of games where he's got over 100 yards. That was more yards in one game than he had in his entire career combined in every game. Uh, he had his first career touchdown a couple of weeks ago. He was key in their comeback against Detroit last week. Uh, he's six five and he's got pretty damn good hands and he's got, I don't want to say explosive, explosive speed, but he's got good enough speed for six five. Um, so he's emerging. Uh, I think, um, you know, the real disappointment has been they have not been able to get Steven Sims back on track, who was very good for them out of the slot last year, who has blazing speed. He's coming off of an injury. He's been back for two games now. Maybe he hits his stride, James, quite honestly, against Cincinnati, who I know was banged up tremendously in the secondary. And I'm sure we'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. So, you know, those are some of the weapons in terms of the running back. Antonio Gibson, look, he's still learning how to be a running back. Uh, he's not a natural running back like a downhill north plow ahead type guy, but he can break tackles and he can lower his head and he can, um, you know, keep his legs churning and all that good stuff. Good forward lean. I think he's still learning, again, all of the different nuances and certainly learning in pass pro, which is why J.D. McKissick plays a lot. In addition to pass pro, J.D. McKissick much better than Antonio Gibson. Um, he's also a great, great receiver out of the backfield. So, you know, they have a two-headed monster, if you will, and maybe that's a strong word. I guess it is <laughs> in terms of, you know, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And McKissick is as big of a part of this rotation as right now Antonio Gibson is, um, you know, because they let Adrian Peterson go. And just quickly on McLaurin, he's everything that you would ever want an NFL player to be. He's fast. He's a great route runner. He's a leader. He's a captain now. They voted him captain after that postgame speech that you mentioned. He's modest. He's mature. He's he's everything and a bag of chips. I don't know how many other positive things I could say about Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I didn't know much about him, and I know I, I should, right, because he's he played at, at Ohio State, but I didn't know much about him, and he burst onto the scene last year 
and he certainly exceeded my expectations. I think he's Nobody a rising star. Nobody knew anything that much about him, except he was supposed to be the best special teams player in the draft, right? <laughs> Which doesn't get a lot of shine. You know how many snaps he's played on special teams since coming to the NFL? Zero. Uh, three. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he was supposed to be the best special teams player in the draft, and that was widely considered, and that's what he's done. So that... You know, that should tell you, A, how, how challenged Washington was at the position, but also, more importantly, B, how good he is. Let's switch gears, Chris, and, and look at the defense. And you obviously look at that pass rush, and it could be daunting with, with Chase Young up there. And it's not just him. You got Sweat. You got um, a couple of others, even on the interior, honestly, with Allen. But uh, overall, I assume that is the strength of the defense. But what are your thoughts on this defense as a whole, because I know they've been pretty good against the past, at least the numbers say the past, the, the, the numbers say so. But is that the case? Yeah. Uh, so so from an overall numbers perspective, they've been much better against the past than the run. But they have given up, James, a lot of big, big, big passing plays. So if Joe Burrow has time with T Higgins or, you know, if A.J. Green, who I know is banged up, you know, or if he's in the lineup, who knows, uh, you know, or some of the other uh, weapons that you guys have, um, you know, that could be certainly a, a, something that they have a lot of success with. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Tyler Boyd, all that. Um, overall, their coverage has been pretty good is how I would describe it again, short of the big plays that they've allowed. They've got a little bit of a mess at safety right now. Uh, they lost Landon Collins. They benched their starting free safety. Uh, they had their uh, their their former backup strong safety has been starting at free safety and now he's hurt so he might not play and so they have a kid a seventh round pick a Cameron Curl a rookie out of Arkansas who's played very well in kind of a, a a jumbled role he's starting at strong safety at least for right now and they might have to go back to Troy Apke the benched Penn State free safety who's got a lot of speed but doesn't have much of anything else quite honestly uh, for this game so they're a little bit of a mess on the back end in terms of the front seven their linebackers have struggled in just about every way earlier in the year was really bad against pass coverage or in pass coverage against tight ends now it's shifted more towards covering that up and that has created some problems with them filling gaps and getting downhill and plugging holes and, and being in the right spot against the run. So, again, I know Joe Mixon didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, you know, if somehow Cincinnati can run the ball and Samaj P. Ryan is a guy who Washington fans gave up on, rightfully so, I think, a long time, you know, a little while ago. And he could come back here and haunt his former team, as Alfred Morris did for the Giants a couple of weeks ago. You can run the ball against this team, even with all that talent. Chase Young has had a good rookie season, but he hasn't had. I mean, he hasn't been explosive or dominant since week two as teams double double him, chip him, sometimes triple team him. He missed almost two games because of an injury. Um, you know, Montez Sweat has been good to very good, but I still don't notice him as consistently as I want. And then the two guys on the interior, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, like sometimes they show up big time. And you, again, you you can see it. And then there's a lot of times where they don't. And um, so when you combine all of that, the long way for me to answer that is, you know, they've kind of been an inconsistent defense, sometimes really good in a lot of second halves, quite honestly. 
and sometimes really bad, a lot of first halves. And that is the story of the 2020 Washington football team. They are dreadful in the first half in almost every way and really damn good in the second half. And I can't figure out how they're so bad in the first half with, with quite honestly, the talent that they have. And they're right in it in the division race, Chris. I mean, they are. the, the yeah. NFC East and people call it the least and poke fun at it all the time. Uh, like, I would be shocked, honestly, if the Bengals looked more ready to go than a team that's still in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I, I mean, you you know, look, you'd, you'd feel better if they had found a way to win one of these last two games. But again, uh, you know, when you when you have to take the shovel out of the locker room, you know, at halftime and dig yourself out of a six foot hole, you're not going to win many games, right? Unless you're new Orleans or, 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 you know, one of those teams. And and even then quite honestly, right. Um, So you'd, you'd like to think, right. That, that they're going to find a way to fix that and come out with a much better first quarter, much better first half. But until I see it, I, I, I just can't believe it because it's been a season long trend. Um, and, and I'd like to think at home, even though there's going to be no fans, uh, they had to back down off the fans as many teams have. Um, I'd like to think that that they're going to come out strong. But, James, honestly, I, I have eight games of evidence out of their nine that tells me they are not a team that shows up at 102 Eastern time. They're a team that, for whatever reason, got a they show up at 2.35 Eastern time. Chris, this was great. I certainly appreciate the time. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at WrestleMania621. Check him out uh, on the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Read him at SI.com. I appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, James. Always a pleasure. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Crossover Thursday, Locked On Bengals, Locked On Washington football team. I'm Chris Russell. Uh, And once again, rejoining us, we just talked about the Washington football team. Now time to turn to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, covering the Bengals like a glove for the Locked on Bengals podcast and SI.com and Fan Nation is James Rapine. And he's with us here. You can follow him on Twitter at James Rapine uh, for great Bengals information. Lots of information there on allbengals.com. James, thanks for doing this. How are you, pal? I'm doing well, Chris. I, uh, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, good to have you aboard. All right, so let's start with... You know, year two of Zach Taylor's regime, but year one of Joe Burrow's regime. And by all accounts from outside, and I, you know, I don't get to watch the Bengals as much as I would like, but I'm a big Joe Burrow guy who isn't right. By all accounts, pretty darn good start to the career for Joe Burrow. Is there anything negative that I'm missing? No, not really. Uh, outside of the the roster and questions about the long term coaching and you know things like that. But when it comes to Joe Burrow himself, I think he's He's exceeded my expectations, Chris, and I had really high expectations for him. And a lot of that has to do with the circumstances we're all dealing with right now in 2020, 
right? You're talking virtual meetings this offseason. He didn't meet A.J. Green in person until August. He threw to Mm -hmm. T. Higgins, I think, a week or two prior to that. But it wasn't like there was much of an in-person rapport with any of these guys. And he really hasn't missed a beat. There have been some issues. Um, Last week, he, he certainly didn't read the Steelers' defense as well as he wanted to, and he admitted that. But there are going to be growing pains for any rookie quarterback. But when you consider this was a 2-14 and 14 football team last year, they've had a ton of injuries this season. And even before injuries, it was a bad offensive line. It was a head coach that there's still a question mark about, about his long-term, will he be here, will he not type of uh, type of stance right now. It's a, he doesn't have a, a lot of established talent and coaches around him. So the fact that he's keeping them in games, and they've led going into the fourth quarter in six of their nine games. So they only have two wins to show for it, but they've been competitive. And I think that that's, uh, that certainly has a lot to do with Joe Burrow and how well he's played. No doubt. Um, that I mean, obviously, that that's easy to see from the outside, but you on the inside, uh, that certainly verifies what I think we all thought. Um, where would you say is an area that if you – I get besides just, again, the continued maturation and continued evolution, where would you say is an area that, you know, when you look back and you think of, of the first half of the season here where he could maybe take a moderate step forward or maybe even a big step forward? I think long term, you hope that because he's so good at, at reading the defense and diagnosing it and then the mental aspects of the game. So long term, I think maybe he hopes or you hope that he finds a Tom House or someone like that that can help him just not necessarily mechanics wise, but get a little more out of his arm, mm. try to maximize that arm because he doesn't have the the Pat Mahomes type arm. He doesn't even have an arm like Justin Herbert. He doesn't. And that's OK. But what he was able to do at LSU is throw with such great anticipation. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of his game is naturally going to get there because he is such a smart football player because of, of how much he, he watches the film and can diagnose it. And he's seeing d- different defenses every week. And I know the Steelers threw a couple things at him that he hadn't seen before. And it, it's just that, that, like you said, is a growing process. But physically, if he could just get a little more out of that arm, I think he's so good mentally. He's athletic enough. He's such a, a natural passer that he's uh, he's going to be just fine. And that's that was the knock on him coming out of school, right, is he didn't sure. have the strongest arm in the world. And the Bengals know that. But they're uh, they're certainly still impressed with what, what he's done so far. Love that answer. You can get by, though, if you don't have a rocket for an arm, if you know what the heck you're doing. Uh, and, and, and that's what it certainly seems like uh, from uh, afar. James Rapine with us, host of Locked on Bengals as well. Uh, you can check him out on SI.com, covering the Bengals. Um, so uh, right here on this crossover Thursday, I forgot to mention that. Uh, um, and you can follow him on Twitter uh, at James Rapine. Um, so in terms of weapons, I mean, obviously Mixon is banged up right now. We don't know if he's going to play. I know he did not practice on, on, on Wednesday, James. Uh, and I know he missed some time. Um, but from afar, again, I know AJ Green, their franchise player has been a disappointment. He's been hurt, but it seems like they've got some young weapons for him that these guys can all grow together. Is that fair? That is fair. T Higgins has, has sort of emerged as that number one outside threat, maybe a little quicker than anyone expected. You talk about exceeding expectations, Chris. I remember doing these, these type of interviews before the season. And I was like, the beauty 
for, for T Higgins is he doesn't have to be relied upon mm. to be that guy because they have AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and at the time John Ross and, and Auden Tate and all these guys. And Higgins really from week two on has taken hold of that other outside wide receiver spot. And he's playing at a, a really high level. He's uh, just off of pace uh, of a thousand yards. And I think he might be on it now after, after his week uh, 10 performance, but at, at the, the buy in week nine, he had 488 yards. So he's just a tick off. I think he will get to that thousand yard mark and the Bengals use him all over. That's the thing they'll give him a reverse. They'll throw him a screen, a slant. They'll go deep to him. He had a 54 yard catch last week. And like Burrow, where he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, T. Higgins isn't the fastest guy in the world, but he just gets open and he's really good at making contested catches. You know, he, he could have a defender all over him. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to make the catch, especially with a guy like Burrow, who's extremely accurate. So that's one. And then I got to mention Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd is. I don't want to say the best slot receiver in the league because I know I'd be forgetting, you know, a Keenan Allen or someone like that. But he is up there. He's so good at what he does. Uh, extremely reliable, great pass catcher, great hands. So those have been have been the two big parts of this offense. AJ Green still hasn't had a touchdown yet this year. Mm. He's on pace for 500 something yards and, and really struggling to get separation. So I think what you're seeing him go to a, another phase of his career potentially, and, and maybe the Bengals coaches find a, a different way to use him, but he isn't that outside threat that he's been for the past decade. Um, so how would you describe the offensive line? Um, because, I think if I remember correctly, and, and maybe I'm wrong, their their sacks per pass attempt were pretty good, if I remember correctly. And yet I know that was a big concern coming in, uh, but but not having um, uh, Jonah Williams last year maybe led to some of the that problem. And now that right, he's back. I, I mean, has it improved or it, it it has it has improved, and they are growing, but it's still the biggest weakness on the team, okay. I would say. And and Jonah's missed a couple games. He suffered a stinger back in week eight against the uh, Tennessee Titans. So he's missed a, a couple and uh, or no, it was what, week seven against the Browns. I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks, though, that right. he's missed. And um, I, I do expect him back. He's a, a full go on Wednesday. I expect him back this week. A guy that I don't know where he's going to start necessarily, and he's technically still on their practice squad, is Quentin Spain. And they signed him from Buffalo. I would expect him to start at either uh, one of the guard spots this week. We'll see. But he's he's only made uh, or played at two games for the Bengals, and he's been really, really good. Played at uh, left guard about three days after signing because uh, Michael Jordan was sick. And no, obviously not the Michael Jordan, yeah. his airness, yeah. the former Ohio State Buckeye second-year guard. Um, so, you know, they're young, and they're really – Right tackle is sort of a, a need. We'll see if Bobby Hart plays there. But, he, you know, he's just an average veteran. So they have a lot of work to do. I would say uh, a guard or two this offseason plus a right tackle. But right now, they can they be competent? They have shown that, that they can be competent specifically uh, in this offense with Zach Taylor, who's getting the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands pretty quickly. Um. So that's a really good breakdown of the offensive weapons that Cincinnati brings and the questions that they bring, certainly uh, matching up with the Washington defense. I think they're uh, especially, especially uh, Boyd out, out of the slot there uh, can can cause, you know, 
some problems uh, for Washington, as we discussed on, on our segment of their back end. I wanted to flip the script and talk about defense because, um, you know, I, I know they had a ton of injuries on the back end. Uh, it's it's obviously early enough in the week where, I, you know, we don't know exactly who's going to be ruled out, who's going to play. But how is this team um, – how is this team going to if Alex Smith gets in a situation where he's playing from behind, which happens every week around here, uh, is this team going to be able to get off the field on third down? Is this team going to be able to put the clamps down uh, on an opposing quarterback that starts to cook when maybe the game gets a little bit long and maybe you get a little tired? How, how do you kind of view the back end uh, in is specifically in pass coverage uh, and what Washington is going to be looking at? The answer is no. Yeah, they they won't be able to put the clamps down, and they won't be able to put the clamps down because they they don't have a consistent pass rush, and so when a quarterback starts to cook, really the only way to to slow that down is to hit him and get after him, and we saw it uh, in Week Six against the Colts. The the Bengals had a 21 point first half lead. It was gone in the second quarter. In one quarter, Philip Rivers dialed it back to 2010. The very next week, Baker Mayfield completes 22 passes in a row at Paul Brown Stadium, including, and this is without Odell Beckham Jr., in a struggling Baker Mayfield. He struggled for most of the year and, and completed 22 passes in a row, including the game-winning touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones with 20 seconds left or, or something in that range. So uh, th- they can't, and, and they have a good pass rusher on Carl Lawson. He's a really, really good player. Unfortunately, he's really their only pass rusher. And, and part of that has to do with the Carlos Dunlap. They traded him because he was clearly unhappy with his role. Geno Atkins is is still dealing with the shoulder, and, and, and that's the problem. He, he's played in four games this year, but suffered a, a pretty significant shoulder injury in camp. And uh, while I think he'll be active on Sunday, he just doesn't look like the same guy right now. And, and so when you're missing those two guys and Dunlap and Atkins and uh, DJ Reader out for the year, they uh, their star nose tackle that was expected to be somewhat of a pass rusher, it just hurts you. And so you're going to see guys like Amani Bledsoe and, and, and just kind of guys that you weren't really expecting to see much or, or have a big role, and now they're going to have a big role. Mike Daniels, uh, you know, a veteran who's, who's passed his prime. So they just don't get the pass rush. And as far as the secondary, I think the secondary is pretty – they're decent. I think William Jackson's a pretty good player at corner. He's their number one corner free agent to be Jesse Bates is a a star in the making. He's been great at safety. And then, you know, they got Von Bell as the other starting safety and he's kind of a liability in coverage. And then Mackenzie Alexander and and Darius Phillips, they're pretty good uh, as the nickel and in other outside corner respectively, but Phillips is dealing with a groin. So I'd expect to see LaShawn Sims this Sunday and he's just the guy right now. He's not going to scare anyone. And uh, the same goes for Alexander. I think Alexander is certainly beatable in the slot. So I don't expect, by the way, the Bengals to to send Jackson um, to to whatever side that McLaurin's on and to have him travel with him. I don't think that'll be the case. But uh, and if that isn't the case, then I, I like McLaurin's chances of having a couple big plays because of the lack of pass rush combined with the the shortcomings at corner. I think that's certainly could be a disaster for the Bengals. Very interesting. Uh, one last one for you, James, because uh, I just don't want to go too, too long, but I could always ask more. But uh, I'll wrap it up with this. You, you've kind of alluded to 
you know, maybe Zach Taylor and the coaching staff not being the right fit. And, and certainly that's understandable, right? They not a lot of NFL head coaching experience or no NFL head coaching experience and, you know, a, a pretty young staff. Uh, it, it, so, so would you say that the marriage is just one of being unsure at this point, or would you say there are definitive problems in the evolution, if you will, of this staff? This is the prove it time, Chris. This is the time. So they are two, six and one. Zach Taylor is looking for his first road win, even though he's been coach since February of 2019. And so what he needs to do over these final seven games is show that he's the guy that's going to get the most out of Joe Burrow. And I, I really think the only way you do that is you win. Because if they if they only win another game or two, well, then you can easily say, well, yeah, Burrow is putting up numbers on his own, and, and Burrow's doing this, and Burrow's doing that, but you're not winning games. And he's been off one close games. I think he's won 12 and one in one-score games uh, since taking over as Bengals head coach. And some of those were... You know, two score games where they score late, but still, he, he's been bad when it's close. So I think that this stretch, they play Washington, then they go to Miami, then they have the Giants and Cowboys at home. If he can't get three uh, or four of those games, I think we are going to have serious questions. And it starts with Washington, which I know I get it. Washington fans are like, man, we're in the playoff race. We're going to beat the Bengals. Well, this is, I don't want to say it's a must win, but it's it's a game that the Bengals need to win. And Zach Taylor needs. And I think that's the the key here. If he's going to get to five or six wins, which I think should be kind of the goal here, then he's going to have to win games like this one on the road against Washington. Because if he doesn't, there aren't many road wins that you could potentially win. And if you go 0-16 on the road in two seasons, that's a, that's a pretty tough sell to, to bring a coach back and a coaching staff back for year three. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, it's a big game for both teams, and we will see. What ultimately happens at FedEx Field on Sunday? James Rapine covers the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, one part of the Locked on Bengals podcast as well. Publisher of all Bengals uh, at allbengals.com, part of si.com. You can follow him on Twitter at James Rapine. James, as always, great to catch up with you. Um, I know we don't get to do this very often because the teams don't play very often, uh, but it should be at least an interesting game on Sunday. Uh, and uh, always good to catch up with you and great insight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I, I hope it's a close one. And, and yeah, you're right. Hopefully it's a good matchup. Sounds good. That's crossover Thursday right here. Locked on Bengals, locked on Washington football team. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.